0: Welcome to chatting markets on this very special episode today normally we do a fortnightly podcast but such was the gravity of the events over, la- uh, over the last 24 hours we couldn't help but put together a very special post US Federal Reserve wrap and to help me guide us through the wilderness we have our very special guest here again our uh, visitor from the United States itself David Song how are you David? doing well Colin thanks
1: again for having me and uh, you know it's just very interesting to see what we got from the Fed and more so I think the market reaction but glad to be here and can't wait to talk about it
0: thanks mate Um, and normally we would have Tom Wilson here too he is around He's back from jet setting but uh, the desk as you can imagine is very very busy today with what happened overnight so it's just gonna be the two of us but going forward we'll have uh, have a trio um, for for, for chatting markets uh, going like I said into the into the future. Um, But we'll dive straight into it um, because it's all about the Fed. Um, I can see across from me that you've got a coffee. Um, I feel like I need another one too because getting up at 4 a.m. this morning to check the decision and then listen to what the, uh, the chairman had to say to us has probably extended the day a little longer than usual. But they cut interest rates, that was expected. 25 basis points it was baked in. But it's what came after that with the press conference that really shook markets up. Um, it was a risk management cut, we were told. It's not the easing cycle, the start of an easing cycle that markets were hoping for, not yet anyway. Stock's off, US dollar up, and everything's in a little bit of a tizz. What are you saying?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing that we need to sort of look at going forward now, especially as we're starting off a fresh month of trade here, um, of course, I think we need to be mindful of some of these opening monthly ranges that's going to take shape, especially mm. as we're seeing you know, exchange rates like the Aussie dollar push yep. the fresh monthly lows here, or really take out the lows from Previous month.
0: Yeah. Uh, so before I, you go on to yeah. fresh monthly lows, let's give a quick background for our clients on an educational point of view. Why is that important?
1: So right now, uh, the way I, I love looking at markets is always, you know, how do we start the month and how do we end the month? Mm. And you know, usually it's called sort of monthly open. You can even do this on a quarterly basis, even on a week by week basis. Yeah. Uh, but especially as we're starting off a new month of trade, and of course on Friday we're going to get more developments out of the U.S. The yep. U.S. Nonfarm yeah, Payrolls yeah, report yeah, yeah. It doesn't
0: finish yet. Exactly. So we'll see. <laughs> How markets
1: will react to you know not only the fed rate decision but yeah. you know the future data that's coming about of course the fed has continued on with their pledge that they'll continue to monitor data do what's yeah. appropriate yeah. to sustain this expansion mm. uh, so i'm hoping that we do see some sort of meaningful reaction to friday's numbers uh but going into august right now and now that yeah. we've gone through not only the federal reserve but remember we've gone through the ecb as well but mm-hmm. there was all those pent-up expectations that yeah. can we get this will we get that out yeah. of the ecb Uh, But I think that's sort of the the sort of message that we're getting not only from the ECB, but also from the Fed, that they are in no rush Mm. to alter monetary policy. And yes, I think they've been sort of proactive in this approach, not just, again, the Fed even the ECB, but you know, you take a look at the RBA's example. Yeah. Back-to-back rate cuts yep. continues to highlight this dovish forward guidance for monetary policy. So, in that respect, I think you know that's sort of the theme or the big macro picture that we're going to sort of rely on is mm. which central bankers are going to sort of are in this race to zero, if you will, in terms yeah. of their uh, benchmark interest rates. But you know, I think that was sort of the message from the Federal Reserve, where you know have markets gone a little bit ahead of themselves, mm. and more so is the Fed going to maybe try. And preserve their credibility, things of that nature, where they will continue to be data dependent and continue to reflect that message to the markets. But I think, you know, not only if you're watching price action, but even if you're watching some of these expectations now. Fed funds futures. Yeah. I think that's one thing we have to be very mindful of because if you're watching the way markets are adjusting to the fresh comments, uh, even as of yesterday, right before the interest rate decision that we got from the Federal Reserve, markets were pricing that you know what, maybe there's a probability that we can get back-to-back rate cuts out of the mm-hmm. Fed uh, because don't forget September is the quarterly meeting. We're gonna get the get updates. Plots and everything right? Exactly the updates in the summary. Exactly. So I think you know that was sort of a theme markets were watching right now. Mm-hmm. But if you're watching Fed funds futures. Uh, we're seeing markets scale back those expectations now markets are about i would say 50 50 really split on whether or not the fed will deliver something in september uh so we'll continue to watch the data from from our end but i think that also brings up a big theme that we need to watch here is Mm. is this where we're headed on a global sort of scale and more so you know who's leading this and this is where i think it, it brings up a good sort of discussion Will the Bank of England really something meaningful tomorrow? Because they're on a little bit of a different schedule, right? So their quarterly meeting is actually tomorrow, Mm. right? And we're going to get the updates to the inflation, quarterly Mm. inflation forecast. So we'll see how those numbers will fare. But, you know, I think with this growing threat, if you will, of a no deal Mm. Brexit, I personally wouldn't be surprised if we do see a meaningful adjustment uh, to the East, uh, to the Bank of England's forecast, uh, because namely, you know, Governor Mark Carney has mentioned that, right? their current projections are all based on this assumption that there is going to be this smooth transition out of the EU. So if that doesn't become the case, and remember, there's less than 100 days now until mm. we hit that October 31st deadline. So, you know, there's only so many meetings the Bank of England has now before we actually hit that deadline. So given that aspect and given the timing of, again, that they have to update their quarterly inflation forecast, uh, I think right now in terms of timing could be a nice uh, sort of Uh, scope here to see something really meaningful coming out of the BOE and as a result I think you know that's something that might go a little bit under the radar here because of course Mm. BOE is expected to keep the benchmark interest rate at the current 0.75% but again for me personally not only will I look at the forward guidance but you know with these fresh projections coming out of the Bank of England Mm. with all these headlines surrounding Brexit you know I think if I was sitting on the monetary policy committee right now you know is there a better chance for the BOE to make any meaningful adjustments in terms of the monetary policy outlook before we get to the deadline and i think again maybe tomorrow might be that opportunity for the boe
0: absolutely so we've got stacks on we'll go back to the fix we really want to dive into the boe too and, and other central banks in particular um because we have a couple of maybe we even have the rba coming up next week which which will be relevant too um but i wanted to get your thoughts because the way i i, I see it here is that we're we're almost reflecting a little bit what the fed was putting us through towards the back end of last year as well now it's not going to be as extreme um we're certainly not looking at rate hikes where these, these aren't the long way from neutral comments that we saw back in october 2018 from from um, chairman powell but it is this desire to come back to data dependence almost to try and preserve their credibility a little bit that we are a data dependent central bank we had some i think it was a um cnbc journalist asked the question um, at the press conference overnight being like well the data's ain't, ain't so bad and uh, you keep telling us we're data dependent what are you looking at in the employment outlook or in the inflation outlook yeah sure it's not great That that justifies an interest rate cut now based on your explicit mandate and you know Powell's comment was with well, a forward looking indicators aren't great global growth risks trade policy business investment is down we've got ISM actually coming up in the next 24 hours which is the best barometer for growth the, the growth outlook for the US economy but they tried to go back almost feebly to this data dependent line markets didn't like that and uh, what I found particularly striking was that you look at the the bond curve uh, and the two year uh, two tenths uh, spread and we had the curious situation where we had uh, two-year yields rise, 10 years fall. So, what does that say? Policy misstep here, rates okay, fine, not going to be as cut as much, but we think this is going to drag on the long-term outlook. Are we back in a situation like last year where the market tries to push ahead, sorry, the Fed tries to push ahead with an agenda, the markets don't like it, we go into schism and eventually, anyway, the Fed come back, comes back to the fore and says, fine. we'll do what you want three or four cuts in the next 12 months yeah i mean we'll see if we get there with the federal reserve
1: especially given some of the tweets that we're seeing from President Donald Trump, obviously he wasn't too happy with what we got from the Fed. Yeah, no, it had to happen eventually. I was
0: surprised you waited an hour.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, So it's very interesting to just, you know, see this sort of environment, how it will continue to evolve going forward, if you will. But, you know, I think that's where the Fed is really stuck between a hard place and a rock right now, where, um, you know, there are some pressures on the central bank, you know, in terms of, you know, should they take this more uh, preemptive approach, this proactive approach in terms of insulating the economy? Uh, but right now, I think you know with what we got out of the Fed so far, and I don't, I don't want to jump the gun here and, and try to speculate yeah, 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 on what sure. the Fed's going to no, do. Yeah, for sure.
0: job, of course.
1: Yeah, and 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 from that, from where we are right now, and that's where for me personally is, I'm just trying to watch some of the themes that are going on right now. So mm. I think the most obvious one is dollar strength right yeah and, and yeah. you know i think that theme might last for a while and especially if you're watching like the us dollar index the uh, dxy you know mm-hmm. we're seeing it really break out of this near-term holding pattern range of price action whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. uh, but i think that is going to be a theme that we need to watch where you know as long as the fed continues to take this slow approach if you will in mm-hmm. terms of trying to address some of the risks around the economy you know i think that might actually be enough maybe to hope uh, to hold up the dollar again given the fact that we saw market speculation so heavily geared towards looking for not only this mm. rate cut in mm. July, but you know a series of rate cuts, this rate cutting cycle, and, and you know even President Trump announced it himself as that's what he wanted to see, right? Yeah. This rate easing cycle. But yeah. you know I went through the statement, and you know at least for now I don't get any sense that the Federal Reserve mm. is ready to move, and you know and that's where I'll watch, especially some of the bigger doves on the board. Bigger doves on the FOMC, yes, exactly. Like, Buller, what is he going to release going forward? What is he gonna say? So I'm very interested to see how the FOMC minutes will look. But for now, I think we can't ignore some of these themes. And, you know, if you're watching what's happening with Precious Metals, took a bit of a hit here. I think Gold was off one and a bit
0: just just. Is it relevant once to the RJ try to love love the go?
1: Exactly. And and you know what? And I'm glad that you brought up this whole theme about, you know, are we going to see the threat of a policy error, mm-hmm. all this and that and, and for now, I don't think markets are really jumping into that sort of bandwagon where, yeah. oh, you know, the Fed has it all wrong, this and that. And and the fact that they actually cut rates shows that they are trying to be, you know, a little bit more dynamic if They're you will. A bit. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I think that will maybe help to assure markets and that's why I'm not sure if I want to get too bearish on equity prices just yet, yeah. right? We, we did see equity spill off a little bit, but let's mm. not forget the global context, right? Mm. We have the RBA cutting rates, RBNZ, yeah. right, and, and we have this slew the, the global community, if you will, of central bankers really taking on this easing approach. So, you know, you take a look at that across the world and we saw Brazil cut rates right after the Fed announcement, things yeah, of that nature. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. seems as though not only are we going to see this sort of path for these major industrialized economies, but, you know, it seems that emerging markets will also follow along with this easing cycle that's sure. sort of going on globally. So, you know what? I don't want to knock that. And again, is that going to be enough, right, to keep sentiment afloat and things of that nature and that's where for me personally i think you know with the volatility that we see in precious metals maybe some were a little bit disappointed by the announcement out of the fed but maybe some profit taking here Um, again maybe we could get a larger pullback because when i take a look at what's happening with the ig client sentiment Mm -hmm. and i think it's just a broad-based look is i'm actually seeing uh positioning especially for currency markets fall off What does that mean are are we seeing some profit taking did some people get stopped out things of that nature and those are things that i'm trying to look at here where as we're starting off this fresh month of trade and as we're starting off august are we seeing uh participation waning participation and is that what's really driving the price action right now or are we seeing growing interest new trades you know taking shape right now and is that's what really is spurring the volatility that we're seeing not just in FX, but also across the financial markets. And from my sort of take here, and from what I'm seeing, especially given um, the numbers that are coming out with the IG client sentiment index, just looks as though there's a bit of profit taking here, especially those that were long the USD. I'm sure they're very happy about the move here. But again, when I take a look at the other side as well, maybe some people got stopped out of those trades. So, you know, right now I am seeing, especially across the more popular pairs like Euro, uh, even uh, dollar yen, things of that nature, the more popular currency pairs, We are seeing participation really start to drop down again. Is that an aftermath of the Fed or is that just because we're starting a new month of trade? So, you know, I think there's a lot of things we need to get our sort of uh, head around right now and, of course, dig into price action and see where mm. this is going to lead us but you know this is where i'll be a little bit cautious especially yep. as i'm waiting to see how the monthly opening ranges will take shape but you know kala as we mentioned you know like when i take a look at exchange rates like the aussie dollar where we you know throughout the last full week of july yes. we kept pressing to fresh monthly lows and you know as we continue to see these sort of mm. markets gaining traction you know I, th- I think these are the themes that we need to watch going forward and, and those are some of the setups that i still like but you know right now when i take a look at precious metals uh when i even take a look at equities markets i don't want to fight the broader themes right because we've yeah. seen that sort yeah. of bullish market for precious metals the bullish market for equity so again i don't think that's done yet yeah. but in terms of the fx market when i take a look at what happened with the dollar and especially some of these exchange rates you know i think it's pretty clean uh yeah. that the markets like or the u.s dollar bulls like what we heard from the Fed, so I think the dollar may continue to benefit from this current environment. Mm. But like I said, we'll see what's going to happen with non-farm payrolls. We'll see if we get a meaningful reaction. Because I am seeing a lot of interesting things going on as we're uh, heading into the end of the week. Absolutely.
0: So maybe a slower burn to the, the, the existing themes rather than racing to where markets expect we were going to be. Exactly. Uh, you know, only twenty-four hours ago. And a, and a good point there too for the listeners is that the uh, the IG sentiment and daily effects too, um sentiment readings we can find on the on the website They're really good contrarian indicators of the uh, of uh, of market sentiment. So certainly have a look at those. But we'll, we'll jump ahead too because we covered it off a little bit. And before we jumped um, on to uh, the, the mic before, you gave me an interesting story that I didn't hear about um, in my excitement around the, the Fed last night and all the news I was uh, swimming in as uh, related to that. Um, but around the Bank of England, around Brexit, which adds just another element to this sort of central bank story in, in particular because we have uh, particular geopolitical risks there um, uh, flaring up, economic risks in, in and of itself um, but the pound did actually pop high last night Now it was pretty pretty um, probably oversold on the, on the short term as it were so you're going to get a little bit of that um, reversal of a, a bit of a bounce um, but can you just explain to me what you did before about what the developments were overnight in the context of um, of, of Brexit how, how UK policymakers want to try and tackle that um, and then maybe you know, give us a little bit of a run on to the, the Bank of England tonight, too, because that's going to be an interesting one, like we said.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where obviously with the Fed this week, maybe that took a lot of the you know, sort of attention mm. from market participants. But I think, again, we need to be mindful of what's happening in the UK, because overnight we got this announcement uh, that the new government there under Boris Johnson will be yes. setting up a 2.1 billion uh, British pound funding to prepare for a no deal Brexit. Right. So, yeah, as I mentioned An emergency before. emergency fund. Exactly, insurance fund, right? Yeah, so, yeah. with the government taking steps like that, if I was sitting on the BOE,
0: yeah.
1: I'd be very mindful of that. And not only that is, has it come time for the BOE to also mm. change and alter the course for monetary policy? And that's where I think yeah. that's some of the risk lies. And if you're watching uh, cable right now and some of the price action there, not only did we take out some of the yearly lows, but you know some of my favorite indicators like the relative strength index. We're starting to see signals that we haven't seen in quite some time so if you're watching on a daily time frame you look at the rsi we're actually in oversold territory the oscillator is holding below 30 still and the last time we really saw that sort of dynamic if you will on the oscillator was when i think we were in a more bearish trend with sterling and that was all the way back in 2018. so you know i don't want to say that you know we're going to see all this weakness in cable and all that, but for now, when I see signals like that occurring and that we haven't seen in quite some time, does that suggest that we're seeing a change in behavior? And more so, the current themes that are going on right now, the current price action, should should we be looking for a resumption of that and more so? With that said, for cable, is the downside risk still there? I know we we fell a lot, we've taken out some big levels, um, but right now, the way I'm looking at it, and especially when I take a look at some of these indicators, I'm not really sure if this, this decline that we're seeing in sterling uh crosses cross exchange rates are really done and, and especially if the boe comes out tomorrow really alters the forward guidance for monetary policy and not only that you know we've seen a lot of these major central banks trim their growth outlooks the imf has done it, all these well, think tanks
0: the did it the other day exactly Throws down inflation expectations down
1: And with the government now preparing this emergency fund, you know, I can only imagine what the BOE is going to release tomorrow, but I don't think it's going to be anything upbeat. More so, I think, you know, we're going to see this adjustment, maybe a downward revision for the growth and inflation forecast. And really, you know, the Bank of England, will they drop their sort of hawkish forward guidance for monetary policy? Because, you know, if you look at the forecast and what they were really preparing the markets Mm. for is that, you know, they they expect the benchmark interest rate to Uh, cap out right around that 1%. So, you know, markets were still seeing scope that maybe the BOE could raise the benchmark interest rate one more time before they level off, exactly. But remember, that was all based on the assumption that there would be a smooth Brexit, right? So, you know, that's where tomorrow, I think we could see a material shift, if you will, in in some of the language coming out of the Bank of England. So I'm very excited to watch for that. And more so, is that going to propel some of the volatility that we're seeing Mm. in sterling crosses and more so when I take a look at cable, you know, when I see what's happening with the RSI, how that oscillator is still holding in oversold territory, holding below 30, I do think, you know, we're gonna see some more downside risk, and and especially talking about that indicator itself, let's remember the textbook definition, right? The buy signal on the RSI is when the oscillator comes out of overbought, climbs back above 30. It's a change in trend, right? Exactly, so for me, as long as that oscillator is below 30, it tells me that the bearish momentum is there, and that we can actually see the exchange rate, maybe even make a further decline, as long as we see that RSI below 30. So, you know, I know markets are speculating, oh, can we finally get a bounce given, you know, Mm. the the rapid sort of decline that we're seeing in the exchange rate, Uh, but I'll leave it to price. I'll leave it to, you know, some of my favorite indicators. So until I see that oscillator move back below 30, I'm not looking for any sort of correction, and even more so with the Bank of England on tap for tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised if we do get some dovish language thereby seeing some further weakness in the bridge pound tomorrow.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I suppose that's the thing, like, I mean, the last time, and I think the, the, the multi-year low that we did hit was just after um, Brexit was, uh, well, formally, um, well, not announced, but mm-hmm. uh, the vote came through and we, we knew the outcome. I think we touched sort of like a 118 level yeah. on a technical basis there. So you'd have to suggest that, I mean, if you're going to draw a line in the sand, potentially we could look all the way down there um, as, as being a level to watch. but. I mean, like, like you said before, we have, we've had this major deterioration in the economic data um, in an economy that actually 6 to 12 months ago was holding up pretty well. Yeah. Growth was solid. Inflation was above target, um, yes. quite considerably actually, I think it touched as high as 2.6%. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting thing will be around what happens in this rates curve in the next in, you know 24 hours or so because you can see that the massive precipitous fall uh, in rate cut expectations in the interest rate curves uh, for, for the UK uh, come November which of course is uh, the month after the Brexit deadline uh, is, is, is due which is I think October t- uh, 31st at this stage you know you basically see this massive fall in expectations I wanted to ask a question too because, I mean, one thing that has been the saving grace in the past for the UK, particularly post um, the, uh, the, the the Brexit result, was the adjustment in currency. And if anything, actually, yes. it led to a spike in inflation that complicated mm-hmm. the matter for the Bank of England, England, England quite considerably. Yes. So, I mean, coming into an event like this, obviously, they, they want to see a weaker pound because it's an automatic stabiliser. But at the same time, they don't want to see something, that, a situation where barriers could go up to, to economic trade and activity, but at the same time prices rise, you get a bit of um, a potential risk for some sort of very minor stagflation there if we see an appreciating, a depreciating currency lead to an uncomfortable lift in inflation, but without any demand push underneath that um, driving it. I mean, how much of a concern you reckon would that be for the, the Bank of England?
1: And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Carl, because I think that's gonna be one of the themes that we really need to monitor going forward, mm. Where is a further depreciation in the sterling going to have a similar dynamic? Well, right now I'm not too sure because mm. I think we need to see how this Brexit development goes. Because I think with this no with the threat of a no-deal Brexit, mm. the risk that we're running right now is are we gonna see a breakup of the UK? Yeah. I mean, Scotland has talked about how they favor staying in the EU. Yep. And you know, we have Ireland and, and you know the backstop there and what's gonna happen with that, but ultimately this is my big risk and, and the concern that I have is if we do get this no-deal Brexit, uh, I think that's going to really raise the risk for the for Scotland mm. to depart from the UK, get back in the EU, and again, if Ireland decides something similar, is it going to turn out to be where England is living on its own? So in that aspect, mm. how much is a cur- currency depreciation going to help? And we're going to see this really material shift in the economy and more so. Uh, a dynamic where you're seeing it's a historical shrink. shift right? yes I yes. mean I,
0: I always thought around this particular Brexit vote that you know it was one of the last nails in the coffin of um, you know British supremacy culturally the empire ended a long time ago but history moves slowly you know what I mean and, yes um, this is always the irony with these populist movements quite to, to use the term and I will use it um, is that there's often a, a nostalgia for the past, or just a, a nostalgia in general for, for, for better days, and in particular the great days of the British Empire. Mm-hmm. The ironic thing here is that this is isolating the UK even more, taking making them more irrelevant on the global stage and potentially you know, really pushing their economy to a state which is, you know, second tier on, uh, at a global level, mm-hmm. you know, behind the likes of France and, and Germany and the like, which is obviously, a, would be a bitter pill to swallow, I'm sure. Um, but a very interesting one from a historical context, yes. I would imagine, but obviously the next 24 hours is going to be incredibly interesting, as we only are less than 100 days away <laughs> from that date. It, it feels like crazy, right? It's, exactly. it's like a never-ending story. Um, you know, except instead of Dragons, we have Morris Johnson now. Um, but um, if you don't mind, I wouldn't yeah. mind getting a, a nice parochial Australian perspective um, on this particular issue, because we've, of the central bank matter, I should say, the subject, mm-hmm. because we do have the RBA next week. And I feel like that there would be an element of um, a smirk on Governor Lowe's face when he sees the Aussie dollar tumbling overnight Um, a lower exchange rate's got to help their cause keep their powder dry a little bit the Mm -hmm. Fed can do the heavy lifting sure with a 25 basis point cut but at the same time they see the lower exchange rate that they only said a couple of weeks ago that they'd like to see and they thought should be lower leading into next week I saw you know the odds for a rate cut uh, lift very very slightly in the last 24 hours we had uh, sorry uh, sorry uh, a rate uh, cut diminished the likelihood of that diminished also because the inflation numbers that we got um, which was stronger than expected yesterday. Uh, give us a potential insight into the uh, into the RBA thinking coming into its meeting on, on Tuesday next week.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think it's gonna be a very interesting story with the RBA and sort of my thought process around it is, can the RBA really announce anything mm. that can curb this decline that we're seeing in the Aussie dollar and more so, does the RBA really mind that the Aussie dollar is falling no, right now? Right? I think it does. That, that's sort of my sort of take that's as well. That's a little of legwork, you know. Right? right? So, you know, I think the RBA probably will look to stay on hold next week, right? Especially yeah. with what we got from the Fed, you know, that rate yeah. cut that we got from the Fed should sort of alleviate the pressures from the RBA, but yeah. more so, I think the kicker or the thing that we need to watch is, will the RBA continue on with their very dovish for guidance? Mm. And and I think that's the theme that we need to look at. So, now that we we're not getting this rate easing cycle out of the Fed, Mm. where does that leave the RBA? What were their sort of expectations around it for the Fed? And and again, more so than that, I think um, given what we've heard from the Fed, I think the RBA will continue on with their dovish forward guidance. And more so if we do get that, uh, I I personally think that we're going to continue to see that sort of add some downside pressure for the Aussie. And as we talked about just now. Does the RBA really want to to curb the decline here, or mm. would they want to just kind of let it go, help do some of the lifting, you know, for them, and more so yeah. help them to really sort of achieve their inflation mandate, what have you? Yeah. Uh, you know, given uh, sort of the global dynamic that we're facing right now. So for now, if I was sitting on the RBA, I would probably not want to disrupt what's going on right now and let the Aussie fall keep falling and yeah. stuff like that. So, and, and that's the way I'll look at the RBA next week. Is if we continue to get this dovish forward guidance for monetary policy probably would be more bearish for aussie than anything else and given where we are uh, i think it would be really hard for the rba to walk back on what they said and especially given that we got that special speech from governor uh, governor Lowe just a couple weeks ago mentioning how you know given what's happening that they still see the scope to ease further they still want to insulate the economy and don't forget kyle we still don't have a U.S.-China trade deal, right? No.
0: So that's uh, well. Be- that ended prematurely <laughs> yesterday. Apparently, not yes. without very little fanfare, mm-hmm. without any kind of public statement. It's just, yeah, we're on the plane. We're back to Washington.
1: Yeah. And what does that say, right? Was there anything that happened? And, and more than that, the signal that I get is probably won't, we probably won't see any sort of agreement no. anytime soon. Right? I so,
0: agree. I think this is a uh, a new quasi cold war that we're walking into, here, so we can mm-hmm. get used to this one. Yeah.
1: So with that, with all that. In play right now, I really find it hard for the RBA to sort of change their tune and more so I Mm -hmm. think they're going to continue on, Uh, again, try to assure markets that they're watching. They will take the appropriate steps going forward, but I think that dovish lean will remain, and I think if we do get that, might spur some further declines in Aussie. But again, going into uh, the month of August, I think we have to be mindful of those monthly opening ranges, things of that nature, and especially how markets will react on Friday too on our on people's
0: definitely and it's worth mentioning too that obviously um, you know the Australian economy is in a very different position than, than the US economy there is a lot of slack there um, yeah the uh, the RBA have said as much so slightly different context but you certainly imagine that they'll continue their um, reasonably dovish bias here as they try gallantly to ensure full employment at four and a half percent despite growth being at what is it 1.8 mm-hmm. percent um, and the unemployment rate now being at 5.2 or so yeah uh, they've got a long way to go um, and obviously, Bill Evans at, uh, at Westpac a few weeks ago pretty much said as much, said that the you know, benchmark interest rate should be around 0.5% by the start of next year. But um, we're almost out of time, Dave, for our special uh, post-Fed, uh, post-apocalyptic special. Um, and I I'd say that with a tongue in my cheek, of course. Um, but uh, we've got a few things else coming up that's worth, worth noting, just as a bit of an FYI, uh oz earnings um are coming up we've got rio tinto that probably be um have already reported by the time the um this has gone out uh anything else just for our our listeners out there um outside of Aussie earnings season that that you're looking at just to to give a bit of a tip and a heads up before uh we sign off today
1: yeah i mean just in terms of beyond price action itself i think we have to be really mindful of the global themes that are going on and Mm. more so Are we really going to see a further change in regime if you will with these major central banks and not only again the major central banks out of these industrialized economies but are the ems right the emerging markets will they also follow along with this global easing cycle of fuel that we have right now and that's where i think you know when you're looking at you know what's happened the initial reaction to the fed we're seeing some weakness in equity prices this and that but you know it's easy to just look at what happened Mm. and then make some sort of assumption that oh you know is this going to be at the top things of that nature but let's not exactly but let's not forget the big picture the big macro themes that are still in play here and with that said you know i think we have to be Uh, very dynamic stay nimble because again not only do we have more rate decisions coming up over the next couple days but we do have some meaningful data prints that we need to be mindful of we need to watch and more so i think uh at least from my perspective i'm going to continue to put the pieces together Mm. you know see what that's going to materialize into in terms of the monetary policy outlook Uh, but for now i would say you know stay nimble watch price action as I think that's still the best indicator that we have to go by, and more so I think just be mindful of the market conditions that we face where, you know, do we really wanna say that you know this equity rally is over? No, we're seeing a pullback. Yep. I get that, but I think the bigger broader picture here is still pretty constructive yep. on a global scale for equities markets. Asia Pacific, I know it's been a little bit uh, not as entertaining as watching, you know, what's happening in the US market and no, things of that worries. nature. <laughs> but you know, with, with, with that out of the way, uh, for me personally, I'm just gonna stay nimble again. Uh, Not really keen on, you know, sort of entering new positions and things of that nature, especially when I take a look at, you know, the IG client sentiment, seeing some profit taking or, again, just this drop in participation. So I'll be mindful of that. Uh, But with all this data print, uh, data, central bank rate decisions on tap, I'm hoping we get some more volatility. Absolutely. And uh, I'm just excited for that. And just we'll see what the BOE will release tomorrow, because I think, again, uh, could see some meaningful reaction to that, uh, given all the things that we're seeing coming out of the UK so far.
0: Yeah, so watch the momentum and uh, make sure you respect the trends. Yes. Well, that's it officially for another week. Uh, We'll hopefully be back next week with Tom Wilson. He'll give us a nice um, perspective on things too, as he always does. Um, But thanks for listening in uh, to the special, folks. Um, Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. um, Like us on Facebook uh, and follow us on Twitter too. All of those different things to make sure that you're across all the market updates that IG and DailyFX can provide. Uh, And until next time, David Song, thanks for chatting markets with me. Always a pleasure. Thanks, mate.